Welcome, my name is Rachel Bully. As Dave said, I'm going to be continuing our series on the book of James. And uh, the chapter that I'm going to be speaking on today is chapter three. And that chapter is pretty much all about the tongue and our words. And for me, that is a chapter that I go back to time and time and time again, because as an extrovert, as someone that loves being around people, I love to chat. Um, I do have a tendency when I'm in large groups of people to become a bit of a show off and hold court a bit. And, uh, and because of that, my words sometimes are not as careful as they could be. So I constantly go back to James 3 to be reminded of what my tongue should be. So that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. So let's get straight into the passage and let's go to James 3. And first of all, I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So my first point is this, the tongue is powerful. And this passage speaks about the tongue, about its power and about its responsibility. But very much through that passage, the tongue is a picture and it's a picture for the words that we say, the words that we speak. So the tongue is very much all about our speech. In verse two, James explains that there are many ways in which we can stumble in our walk with God. But one of the most common ways that we can stumble is through the words that we speak. And as the Message Bible puts it in verse two, we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths and how very true that can be. James gives three analogies for the tongue. He talks about the bit, the rudder and a small spark. In verse three, he talks about the bit. Now, the bit is a tiny piece of metal that goes in a horse's mouth. And whenever a horse rider is riding a horse, it's the bit in the mouth that attached to the reins that controls the direction that the rider wants the horse to go in. It's just a small piece of metal, yet that small piece of metal can control a huge, strong horse, a horse that's even stronger and even larger than the person riding it. But that bit takes the horse in the direction that it needs to go. In verse four, James talks about the rudder. Now the rudder is found at the back of a boat. It's, I'm not very nautical, so I have had to Google this, but it's the instrument at the back of a ship that is in the ocean that steers, uh, oh, I'm getting mixed up now, but it steers the ship and takes it in the way that it goes. And I Googled on Google Images, cargo ship rudder, basically because that was the largest ship that I could think of. 
and um, up popped loads of sketches and designs of cargo ships. And, um, and you could see on the designs, the scale of the rudder compared to the rest of this enormous ship. And that was before even the containers had gone on top of the ship. So once the containers are on top of the ship, the ship is enormous. Yet comparatively, this rudder was a tiny part of the ship. Yet the rudder has such power because it's that that takes the ship in the direction that it needs to go. And then the final analogy was in verse five, the spark, the spark, the small spark. And it says in verse five, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And when I was considering the thought of um, a forest fire and the wildfires, I was immediately drawn back to the beginning of the year and those horrendous images that we saw of the Australian wildfires. And there was something so great, so powerful, so magnificent in a way of the fires that just rip through the land of Australia. And it wasn't just the fires devastating the land, it devastated property, it took people's lives. And as I've been reading about it this week, so many endangered species are now extinct because of the wildfires that raged through Australia at the start of this year. And I know that those wildfires were lots of different fires that accumulated into one massive one that took over the land. Yet each of those fires would have been started by just a single spark, a small spark. And to think, oh no, I've said that, I'm sorry. Anyway, in the same way that the tongue, in the same way that the spark and the bit and the rudder are a small part, the tongue is a small part compared to our whole body. And in the same way that those three analogies can have a huge impact, the same is true of our tongues. Our tongues have tremendous power in our lives, whether that be for good or whether that be for evil. Verse six says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. The fire of the tongue can cause great damage and it can be used to burn many. Now, I don't know about you, but um, when I grew up, which was sort of the 70s and the 80s, there was a nursery rhyme that used to say in the playground, if anyone ever said anything mean to you, which was sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's what we did. And I can clearly remember Rachel, Abby and Elizabeth Craddock saying something that I found particularly mean in the 80s. And I remember getting right in their faces with the nah, 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 nah face and just saying that nursery rhyme to them. And I, on the surface of it, I was absolutely fine. But I remember how I felt inside. And actually thinking at the time as a little girl, this is a ridiculous rhyme because actually that has hurt me. And I do feel really sad. And it isn't just something that is um, people's words that I said aren't just in the playground. People's words hurt us throughout our lives. And I'm sure as you're sat on your sofa right now, you could pinpoint something that was said to you many years ago that has brought lasting damage, real bitter pain. It might have been a critical remark. It might have been a sarcastic comment. It might have just been one of those throwaway comments and the person says at the end of it, I was only joking. And they might have been, yet the damage has been done. So many people give their opinions rather freely and easily and passionately, yet those opinions can cause lasting damage, a lasting injury. What others say to us and what we say to them has power. Yet the flip side of that is, 
There is nothing better than a well-timed compliment or an encouragement or the kindest of words that comes at the right time. A word that just changes the course of your day because of how that makes you feel. Or for some of us, a word that just gives us an inspiration for the rest of our lives. There is huge power in the words that we use. But it's not just in the words that we speak, it's in the powers, uh, the, it's in, the power is in the words that we write as well. And I've been reflecting on social media and the words that we see there. See, the words aren't literally the words that we speak, but they are our typed words. And they're still, okay, can be destructive without us even realising it. So I've had an experience of uh, that this week, a positive and a negative on social media, because at the moment, I kind of feel like I'm probably one of the least popular members of society, because my job at the moment is to set home learning. And I know that in many households, that doesn't necessarily bring you great joy, the sound of that word, home learning. And on social media, can I just say, as well as the person that sets home learning, I also have the flip side, so there's no judgment here whatsoever, okay? Because I am the person who is also helping my children in their home learning at home. Um, but there's been quite a few comments on social media about teachers and unrealistic expectations, and there's been some really negative stuff. And if I'm completely honest, some of the comments have really hurt and they've left me with that aftertaste of, oh, I just can't be bothered. I just can't be bothered to go the extra mile and make the extra effort this week for my class. That is it. I am just logging into the Oak, Oak Academy and that is what we're doing this week. Because what's the point? No one appreciates it. I'm just not going to do it. And that was why how I was feeling on Monday morning. But then something happened and I got on the where our class have to submit their work onto an online journal and then all of a sudden a message came through when I was just feeling can't be bothered and it was from a parent who said thank you for the effort that you are going to with home learning this has made such an impact on our family and actually I can see that you've done a lot of work and I just wanted to say thank you and for me that just changed my day. And it was like, right, let's go again. Let's come up with something creative and let's do something good. Because for me, that comment was like Proverbs 16, verse 24, which said, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And that was exactly what I needed. Let us consider what a tremendous blessing our words can be. What a wonderful tool for encouragement our words are and how actually the tongue is a beautiful thing. Our tongues can be sweet to the soul and healing, oh, not healing, and healing to the bones. The tongue is powerful, which leads me to my next point, excuse me, which is the tongue needs to be tamed. And then um, I had to, I smiled to myself because Dan Wheeler actually preached on this about five years ago and I found my old notes from it and actually pretty much all I had written in great big block capitals was tame it Rachel tame it tame your tongue so obviously this is something that I keep needing to work on so anyway point two the tongue needs to be tamed if a bit or if the bit on a horse or a rudder on a ship is out of control 
then the horse is completely out of control and the ship is completely out of control. So as verse six says, if our tongues are out of control, it sets the whole course of our life on fire. And when you think about that, about our tongues, and if our tongues out of control, it's quite an image, our whole life being on fire. But when you actually sit down and think about it, there aren't many sins that don't involve our words and our speech. James 3 verses 7 to 8 says this, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly and oh no, full of deadly poison. Man can tame wild animals. That's quite an incredible thing. And I remember back in the 80s, we went on this amazing trip to America. And one of the things that we did was we went to SeaWorld. Uh, I'm not entirely sure this happens anymore in the 21st century, but back in the 80s, it did. And there was a killer whale um, performance. And these, these trainers had tamed the killer whales to perform all kinds of tricks by just a little toot of their whistle. And then they used to have very dramatic hand signals as well, which I really loved. And the final moment was um, you saw one of the trainers dive to the bottom of the, of the pool and you thought, where is this diver gone? And all of a sudden you saw the diver rising out of the tank vertically like this with their arms in the air. And thought, oh, this is good, what's coming? And then before you knew it, so you realise that the trainer was on the nose of the killer whale and the killer whale was coming up in beautiful harmony and then the, it fell in the water and there's water everywhere because we were in the splash zone. And it was so exciting. And it was incredible to think that the wild animal that you see on a blue planet that's always trying to kill the penguins, all of a sudden has been trained to not kill the person, but in fact perform and do this acrobatic trick. Yet that trainer who can tame the killer whale to perform in that way cannot tame their own tongue. There are tamer tongues. It says in verse eight that no man can tame it at all. So for us, it's not a case of, well, let's just talk a little bit less um, and that will make my tongue better. Now, I think to just to go back and to clarify, back in chapter one, um, we, we studied recently that we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need to do that because I'm talking to myself here. I know there are times when I really need to reduce the amount of talking and listen and be slower to speak and slower to react. OK, but that's not enough. That's not how we can tame our tongue. It's not enough by just thinking, well, today I'm going to try a... I'm just going to try really hard. I'm just going to try a bit harder with the words that we say. That doesn't tame our tongues either, because in verse two, it says that no man can tame the tongue. It also says, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. But there was one man who had control over his tongue, and that was Jesus. Jesus never, never sinned through the words that he spoke. He never said an unwise word. He never said an unkind word. He never said anything that was unworthy or unholy. His words just brought life. 
And that same Jesus who spoke words of life lives in us. The only way to tame our tongues is to surrender to Jesus and abide in him, to recognise that the sacrifice that he made to forgive our sins also covers all of the sins that we make through the words that we say. We need to draw close to Jesus. We need let, to let Jesus speak to us and we need to let him speak through us. The only way is Christ in me. And my third point is this. The tongue needs to reflect who we are. So um, quite a few years ago, a precious friend told me a wonderful story about her granddaughter and her granddaughter's parents aren't together. And her granddaughter had been spending the weekend with her dad. And then her and then my friend had seen her granddaughter um, the day after she got back from her dad's. And her granddaughter uh, was chatting away. And then all of a sudden she went, oh my God. And then without a and without a hesitation, turned to her grandma and said, Oh, I'm really sorry, I forgot. I don't use that phrase in this family, do I? And my friend had chuckled and we chuckled about it, about how difficult it must be to, you've got two different vocabularies. You've got one vocabulary when you're with your dad's family and you've got a different family when you're with your mum's family. But James 3 verses 9 to 12 says the same things about us. It says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And whilst my friend's granddaughter had a different vocabulary for her two different families, I think it's the same for us. We can have a different vocabulary for our different settings. You might have words that you use at church. You might have your, um, your prayer jargon. We praise, we worship, we, we do. I'm waffling now. Here's my waffle vocabulary, okay? But we come to church and we praise the Lord. Yet the words that we use in our church setting may be very different to the words that we use in our work setting. Perhaps at work, you join in the conversations, the, the gossipy conversations, the, the conversations that badmouth people. It's tempting. And then perhaps you have a different vocabulary when you're at home. Maybe the way that you speak to your family is very different to the way that you speak to your friends at church. And um, I got a personal example. Uh, met a couple of years ago, I um, I received a thank you card because um, I left a left a job, and it was the most gorgeous thank you card. And inside there were really lovely messages and really lovely words spoken about me. And um, and I, it's one of those cards that you treasure, and I know exactly where it is. And it's always a joy when you come across it to read those words again. But about a week later, after receiving this card, I overheard my husband, Nathan, talking to his brother about the card. And uh, you know what it's like, you hear your name and your ears prick up and you're listening. And I heard Nathan talking about the card and saying that it was a really, really lovely, lovely card. Yet there was something, uh, yet he didn't really recognise 
the lady that they were talking about in the card because that wasn't the lady, that wasn't the woman that was living with him at the moment. And it was one of the, this is a couple of years ago, it was one of those moments that arrest you and make you think, oh, what's that about? And, um, and it made me really think about what was going on. And I thought, well, actually, he's right, because the words that I use when I'm work, around my work colleagues are very different to the words that I use towards him. And James is saying in this passage in verses nine to 12 that our tongues shouldn't be contradictory at all. Our tongues should be like fresh spring water. They shouldn't be a mixture of spring water and salt water. And they shouldn't be bearing fruit of the wrong kind. Our tongues shouldn't contradict one another. They should be like fresh water. Matthew 12 verse 34 says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words reflect what is in our heart and what we are in the habit of saying is a reliable revelation of what is going on inside our hearts. What goes in must come out. And I'm sure that what was in my heart about Nathan two years ago was probably a long list of record of uh, a long record of wrongs. I'm sure that in my heart there was a lot of irritation there. And because that was what was there about him, that was what came out of my mouth. And that, for poor Nath, is why he saw two different women, the woman in the thank you card and the woman that was at home. But I have to say, we're having a very wonderful lockdown and getting on very well, so you don't need to worry about us if you are. All is well. And retirement is looking good. It's a long way off, but it is looking good. OK, so anyway, I digress. So we basically need. Oh, sorry. I'll start again. We need to be who we are in every area of life, not just at church, but in every area of life. We need to be a follower of Jesus, a child of God. Our hearts need to be right by looking to our saviour, by resting in Jesus and letting him transform us. We need to abide with him. We need to walk with him. We need to focus on him and look to him and be serious about doing what he says. And when we do that, we will see the work of God more and more in our lives. James goes on to write in verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Our world is desperate for us to speak the wisdom that comes from heaven. 
And I'm just so encouraged by Joan's testimony at the start. Now, imagine if Joan hadn't written Ephesians 1 in that card to her brother, if she just kept it, happy birthday, brother, love you lots and lots. But just to speak into that birthday card, what God thinks of him, how powerful that is and the impact it is, he's on his second week of Alpha. Praise God, that's amazing. But that that's God's wisdom. It's wonderful. The world needs us. I'm going to read the list to speak words that are pure, words that are peace loving, words that are considerate, words that are submissive, words that are full of mercy, words that bear good fruit, words that are impartial and words that are sincere. Now, I nearly called this talk. Um, don't be a mat, be a Marcus, because all week I have been reading all about Marcus Rashford and uh, the words that he has spoken in his open letter to the MPs and have seen uh, seen the government make a U-turn. I don't know if you've actually read his open letter, but it is, it is powerful. It is his personal story. It's his testimonies about growing up um, and the struggles of his family and the impact that breakfast clubs and food banks and food vouchers made to him and his family. If you haven't read it, I urge you to read it. It's powerful stuff. Um, and that open letter, his powerful words have seen the government make a U-turn. And the food voucher scheme for vulnerable children has been extended to cover the summer holidays. And that, for me, as someone that has seen the families who are receiving the food vouchers at the moment, is incredible that actually that funding is going to continue and um, all because this, this footballer stood up and actually said, no, let me tell you, let me tell you why you need to do that. There was real power in his words. And as I've been following this uh, news article in the media, every commentary or column or article that I have read has also referenced Matt Hancock's words a couple of months ago, which were, I think the first thing that Premier League footballers can do is make a contribution, take a pay cut and play their, play their part. Now, I'm sure that Matt Hancock, when he said that a couple of months ago, one of those throwaway comments that we've talked about already, I'm sure that he regrets saying what he said. And actually, I kind of feel from that that now what he said is now in every single article in conjunction um, to Marcus Rashford. But Marcus Rashford might have heard those words and might have thought, well, that's what people think about me. I'm not going to do anything. I can't be bothered. I'll take my pay cut. But that's where it stops. Imagine if he'd done that. Imagine if he hadn't used his platform. Imagine if he hadn't used his words and written that open letter. Perhaps, who knows, maybe someone else would have come along and spoken up for the families that need those food vouchers this summer. But he did. He did speak up. He did use his words. And I think that's the same for us at the moment. We have such life-giving words to speak out into our communities. We have words that will give hope. We have words that will give encouragement. We have so much that we could, as Proverbs 24 says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. How many families could we be like honeycomb and just sweeten their days simply through the words that we speak and that's what I'm going to leave you with now that's that challenge okay our words your words have real power we can't tame our tongues ourselves but we can 
get alongside Jesus this week. We can rest in him, abide in him, allow him to speak to us so that then the words that we speak, we speak out through him. And then get out there and just speak those words of hope and life over our community. It might be the smallest thing. It might be an open letter that will reverse a government policy. Who knows? But actually, I'm sure that the words that we speak this week will bring great hope and make a real difference to people's lives. And let our words reflect who we are in Christ. So I'm just going to pray and then we're going to go straight back to the worship team. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you that because of what you did, we are forgiven for every small or big word that we say, that speak, that brings damage. Thank you, Lord, that that in you is all forgiven. And Lord, I pray that as we go about our work this week or just pottering about or the conversation this week, Lord, I pray that your word would be spoken through our tongues, that we would bring our communities life and hope, that our words would be sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Thank you, Lord. Amen.